We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Welcome to Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host today, Marsha Bivens, Director of Marketing for PioneerX, and today I am joined by my co-host, Josh Halland. Hi, I'm Josh Halland, Senior Vice President of Clinical Strategy and Development at PioneerX. Our guest today is Ann Pace, co-owner of Cavanaugh Pharmacy in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I've met you before. I don't know if yeah. you've met me, if you remember. Um, the thing that kind of stands out the most is... Um, April 2015, I think there was a store there that was our 1500th location. And we came up there and we went out to dinner with all of you guys and the the store. And it was a big, um, I I will never forget that steakhouse though, because they came by and they go, pick your weapon. (laughs) And it was like a box of like multiple different steak knives. Yes. I don't think I've been back since. We don't go there often. I'm Josh. I've heard a lot about you through conversations with Scott, but and Josh, never and, met or you. sorry, and Jeff, and Jeff, and Mark. Yeah. So, hi. Well, so, nice to meet you. you officially. I've heard all good things, so that's a always a win. Well, I asked Scott what to expect, and he said it should be fine. He didn't really give me anything to to go yeah, on. It's, so it's it's easy nah. conversation. So we started this podcast kind of um, to take place of trade shows where we would have these conversations on the trade show floor or where Jeff and I would come and visit where even Josh might come and visit your pharmacy and see what you're doing and what we need to enhance things on or that kind of thing. And so it's these conversations that we really missed out on and lost during the pandemic. And so we started doing a podcast and so it's easy breezy, just differences where we have headphones, microphones, and there's cameras now. And it just became really fun to share these conversations because it it, it adds more people to it and they feel like they're a part of it and they go, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. I need to connect. I need to follow her. I need to follow this person. Um, And so there is a little bit of, you know, we humanize you and ask you questions about your family and um, your husband, which everybody has seen his episode and we'll kind of reference that a little, but it's going to be a lot of really what you're doing in your business and how you've grown. And embarrassing okay. stories about Scott are always welcome. Perfect. That is always easy to do. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to apologize first off. You got the B team here today. Oh, <laughs> cause usually like I'm with Jeff and he yeah. like takes up 80% of the air and he's with Mark. Yeah. I actually, Mark and I were talking about that yesterday when we were walking out and I was like, it's going to be weird because normally like I, I'm like, I'm your prototypical pharmacist right I, I listen and i'll throw in some stuff here and there and i'm it's a purveyor weird. of random facts that's what Very that's my specialty facts. like the beavers yeah <laughs> um but like mark's usually like the vivacious sales guy so he's gonna you know he's, he's throw always out all kinds like of stuff. up here and, yeah. and jeff could talk in a, a brick wall into responding so yeah Right. We'll, so we'll see saying, how this goes. I have to do most of the talk. Okay. So now it's even more pressure that I have to be <laughs> like. Unless you want to talk about random facts, then then we can. Use your eye. I, no, I'm, I'm not that. That's Scott. 
I'm not the random fact person. All right. I know a couple of small random facts. So, but I got wh- nothing. <laughs> what's what's the one <laughs> random fact you have? I don't nothing. Have any. Okay, I, I wasn't prepared. No, don't ask me that. Fair so, <laughs> so let's start off. Um, your husband is Scott Pace, who we've had on the podcast before, and we interviewed as a leader in the past when we were doing um, in-person interviews like that. Um, so, talk to me about your pharmacy and your partnership. Yeah. So, can we reframe that we, and be like Scott Pace is your husband and you're the star of the show? Yes. Right. No, I, I prefer that. And actually, in the pharmacy, it's usually Scott is my husband, and it's not the other way around. So I prefer that in the store. That's because yes. everyone usually goes. Um, it, they say, you know, or friends or whatever, they're like, "Oh, well, Scott works there too." And I'm like, "No, Scott doesn't work there. It is my pharmacy that he <laughs> usually helps out on the back end." <laughs> but yes, so we bought the pharmacy about eight and a half, about almost nine years ago, and. To be completely honest, I had zero desire to ever own a pharmacy. Um, that was not what I was going for. That was always Scott's dream, um, but it it wasn't really what I was I was wanting to do. And so this pharmacy came about. I was teaching at the College of Pharmacy at UAMS at the time. Enjoyed my job, loved my job. We had two small kids, and he just one day called me out of the blue and was like, "Hey, let's buy a pharmacy." And I was like, "Okay." He was like, "And you should quit your job." And you should go run the pharmacy. I was like, <laughs> awesome, thanks. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thought about it. But at the time, he was at the pharma- the Arkansas Pharmacists Association. And so it didn't make sense for me to stay at the college and him to leave the Pharmacists Association because he could do so much more there for, you know, for pharmacy in general than I could teaching the next generation of pharmacists, which is important, but in order to change practice and stuff, we needed him at the Pharmacists Association, which, you know, 10 years later, we can see what um, impact he had there in doing that. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah. So I left the, um, I left the college and I remember walking into the store the first time and I thought, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Um, certainly had a lot of growth potential, needed a lot to, to go. So, I mean, that's kind of where we started and how we started with of me walking in day one, I had been working in a retail pharmacy in 10 years. And so where do we go from here? And it was kind of scary. I mean, it was very scary for me. So quite the power couple of pharmacy is what I'm hearing and what I'm gathering from this. So how old are your, how old are your children now? So the kids are 10 and 11. Cameron, our daughter's about to be 12. And so when we bought the store, what, they were like four and five. And I mean, I remember one of the first weekends we were there. I think that when we completely remodeled the front end of the store and moved the shelves all around, the kids were there for basically until seven o'clock Saturday night, all day Saturday, and then all day Sunday. And we had little car, you know, some sort of ride on cars around. But they were just riding around the store and... I mean, I'm probably eating candy. I don't even know. I'm playing in dirt. <laughs> so is that, you know, we, we see kind of twofold of different types of people where they own a pharmacy and they fully expect that their children will be pharmacists and take it over at some point. And the other side of that where you're like, there's no chance that's happening. Do you think either of your kids are going to be a pharmacist? I think it's a little young to tell. I don't know. I mean... You can, you can, we can always go back in a decade and see where Cameron's at. She'll be in college in 10 years. Well, all I done can, with 
grad undergrad. She's the she's the helper. So when we had, um, so a year and a half ago when COVID, well the COVID vaccine came out and we opened our vaccination center, Cameron was there literally every day she could be. And she was helping out. She was the one who wanted to help in any way possible. She had her babysitter drop her off at the vaccine center after school so she could help for a couple hours. So if either of them, I could see Cameron possibly one day, you know, owning the pharmacy. Or um, going into nursing. This, yes. At this point, Carter's going to be a professional football player, according to him. So, <laughs> yeah, my, my four-year-old told me yesterday she was either going to be a doctor or a giraffe. And I'm, I'm hoping for a giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I don't think professional football players going to go, but can't crush his dreams right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good to have goals. So, uh, giraffe, encourage the giraffe. Yeah. I think giraffe. That's, that's right. I wanted to be a bus driver when I was little. <laughs> I, I wanted mean, to open that door. And so, but I, they actually let me do that when I was in high school. And so, you know, I met my goals. So it's I had to move on. Scott movie. You you reached your, your, your life dream at the 17. Board, the door, the Forrest Gump movie, the bus driver that always oh, opened yes. the door. Yeah. And, yeah. I thought that was cool to open that door. And so I thought, oh, that should, turns out now I own a pharmacy, <laughs> bus driver at a pharmacy. I mean, to be fair, yeah. I would like to drive a bus. I don't want to drive one for a living. I just want to drive a bus. I don't want to drive it with kids in it either because I, I would just worry too much about driving a big bus with screaming kids. I mean, and this this so is going to end up into the random zone, but you ever like the the yellow buses haven't changed in I don't know like, they're probably the exact same fifty years before I was riding on them, but they had no seat belts, right? right. Seat belt. I don't. I think Do they, they have seat belts, seat belts now? now. I don't know, but like when I was in school, they didn't have seat belts, and so we'd always fight to see who could sit over the wheels and bounce the most. Yeah, and like that seems massively unsafe. Um, but my son rides amazing. the bus home. I guess I should ask him if they're seatbelts. I haven't even quite thought about that. Well, now, now you will. <laughs> Mom of the year. There we go. <laughs> eh, they hey, make it I'm, home every I'm day. I'm the one over here that goes, you know, we've had enough hover parents that there's probably seatbelts in the bus now. So I'm thinking some other parent jumped in and took care of it. I don't have to think about it. Yeah, I like that. Someone else has hopefully taken care of that. That's why. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking that the budget for schools is not, and there's probably not a seatbelt on that bus except for the driver. Yeah, but you get enough hover moms and Karens that kind of like band together and make get the school district to spend money on stuff like that. And also, like, you know Cohen. If there's a seatbelt, you know he's not putting it on. Oh, yeah. Not not a chance. And he's probably crawling under the seat to get to his friend that he wants to be in. Near, mm. so. Nope. Mine's would, mine would worry that Scott would know that they didn't have a seatbelt on, and he would come and find them on the bus and make them put it on. There's, there's health- always a good, healthy fear. Yes. yes. That's the best way to, to parent teenagers, and especially boys. Especially boys. Uh, I'm not ready for that. So, um, in in terms of you teaching, what do you teach? Yep. So I kind of coordinated the, um, the community fourth year rotations that the fourth year students had. And then I taught just kind of anything community pharmacy related. I coordinated the pharmacy management class for a while. I taught the over the counter, um, you know, self-care class. Um, taught the vaccinations and, you know, helped with counseling. So anything that was community related, 
Um, it was always frustrating to me because to students, those are oftentimes the least important to them. Um, and the therapeutics, the, you know, that is all they focus on. But I think most of them realize once they get out of school that they should have paid a lot more attention in that, especially the self-care class. Um, because how many times a day I get asked questions about what should I use? What should I do for this over the counter? And it's not that mm -hmm. therapeutic stuff. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I was, when you're listing off that thing, your list of things you taught, I was like, well, I guess none of those are relevant to what you do every day now. Right. Yeah. Nothing. Like, not, not yeah. one of those is community pharmacy related. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to try to get students to understand that there's more to it than the, you know, the prescription the therapeutics prescription part, like that over the counter, I think I make a bigger difference in my patients' lives by being, you know, competent in that. Because the amount of stuff that I have either saved people doctor visits because it doesn't need it or saved them long-term things because I sent them to the doctor. And being able to triage that, I think, sets us apart from most other pharmacies and especially chain pharmacies and things because we take the time to do that. Right. I mean, even so it's admittedly been a while since I've counted by fives and dispensed any drugs, but right out of school, I worked for Walgreens. And one of the things I was like, oh crap, I should have paid a lot more attention to was the OTC section because that like every five minutes I would get somebody coming in up to the council window and saying, what do I need to do about X? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I learned, I learned more and I worked in an area, it's, it's an area called Highland Village, but it was like this really kind of suburban affluent neighborhood where we used to joke that the uniform was like a Yukon and a, you know, a, a Prada purse. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't like in that first, maybe cause you know, we graduate in May. So you get the summer and then you get first part of school. So by September I was a full on expert at head lice. And that yeah. was something that you didn't spend a lot of time. You you learned how to treat it, but you didn't learn how to respond when somebody would walk up to your counter, drop a baggie full of hair, and say, "What's this?" Right, and oh, so that's disgusting. Yeah, I got good with Lysol too. Um, oh, that's just minimal. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times people have just like taken off part of their like, "What do I do about this?" And I'm like, "Oh my goodness gracious!" Yeah. I've dressed some man's wound for like five days because he couldn't do it and had fallen in, you know, old skin. Oh it ticks off of people's bodies. Oh, yeah. You're, you're a better human than me. I was like, don't ever come to my pharmacy again with a bag ah. full of head lice. <laughs> my favorite is this past year, somebody had gone to the hospital and they were leaving. They'd gone to the emergency room <laughs> and they called. And they're like, well, the... So ER forgot to take out my IV. I was like, what? I'm sorry, what? And they're like, well, I just called and they said you could do it. And I'm like, I don't take out IV ports. Like, that's not what we learned. Did they, yeah. it did. Did they leave but the you hospital involuntarily? Yep. I mean. No, no. They just forgot to take out that port. And they huh. called the ER and they said, oh, no, the pharmacy can do it. I would not have left the hospital. They're like, yeah, y'all gave me checkout papers, but who was going to deal with this thing right here in my hand? I don't yeah. know, man. By the time you're getting discharged from the pharmacy, <laughs> when they let you go, or the hospital, when they're like, you can go, you go. Yeah, I think they were just ready to be done. But I, So they came in, and I was like, well, 
watched enough medical drama shows, I guess <laughs> I can probably figure this one out. So, so did you did you just go lawnmower with a with a, a cotton gauze? I just put some pressure and pulled it out. Huh. It worked. I assume it worked. I like that mentality. I've watched Grey's Anatomy like a hundred times. I've totally it got was, this. It was kind of that. I was like, is there a YouTube video on this? That was actually one of. So it was there. No, I didn't have time for that. Oh. They were in the pharmacy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that would be kind of concerning. <laughs> Hang on before I do this. Let me watch a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. And and what people don't know is I don't really like blood very, like, I can give shots. I can do that all day long. But when you get to veins and stuff, it is not my thing. And I don't, ooh. So I kind of almost threw up while I was doing it too. Oh, yep. I can imagine. Blood yep. makes me a little squeamish. So. Yep. Your other involvements, you were pretty active in the NCPA. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So um, before moving to Arkansas, actually, I used to work for NCPA. Um, right out of pharmacy school, I went to D.C. Um, so I went to pharmacy school in Iowa and then moved to D.C. and worked for them for about a year and a half, two years as their director of student affairs. And so it's kind of all of it kind of comes together and it's an interesting pathway when you think about it because I started with a national organization um, encouraging other encouraging students and traveling around the country, encouraging students to own a pharmacy and giving them those resources and talking about those resources NCPA had to buy a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Full well in my head knowing I probably didn't ever want to own one and so I was selling it pretty good. Well, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> selling it, but I was like, no, not for me. Um, and then moved to Arkansas because Scott and I had met and we were going to get married. Um, and so I moved to Arkansas and still was involved with NCPA here as the chapter advisor for the student chapter here. And so that kind of just seemed to fit naturally. And I certainly enjoyed that very much, being involved with NCPA doing that. And so, I mean, still trying to, you know, I still stay involved with them, go to the meetings and things like that. And so it's always been part of my pharmacy career, being involved with that organization. So if you worked out at the D.C. office, then you worked with Lois. Oh, yes. <laughs> What's your, oh, do you know when her birthday love. actually is? No. No. Have, nope. So what's your favorite Lois story? This is the new thing I'm asking because everybody who know, who's been involved in NCPA loves and misses Lois. Oh, she was amazing. I mean, she is an amazing person. And I don't know that there's one. She's a fireball. Oh, yes. I mean, and she's just, I wouldn't cross her because good Lord, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but she always. I just loved it because she would just always have these different things going and just randomly like one day and she'd be like, oh, hey, I've got tickets to the Kennedy Center for this. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, it's four o'clock. OK, let's go. So she just and she always moving around so quickly. She never stands still. Whenever I'd see her after I left and I'd see her at something, she'd give me a quick hug and then she'd be gone doing something else. So um, I said this on a previous um, podcast, actually, with Doug. Um, when Lois finally officially did retire and she goes, this is officially my last one. I'm not going to be back. She left me with a little parting gift story and she said, Oh, I, I love it. Cause we had a new girl start last week before the annual event, our annual event. And I told her it was my birthday. So she'd take me out to lunch and she goes, that's what I do to all the new people. I tell them it's my birthday. And I was like, Doug, does anybody actually know when her birthday is? So apparently she hits all new, she would always hit new people with, it's my birthday. 
She never did that to me. Oh, she started you got that lucky. scam after you then? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. No, I think she did that on Scott. Maybe she just liked me more than everybody else and she didn't give me a it's my birthday, buy me lunch kind of thing. Huh. <laughs> no, you got to go to Kennedy Center for concerts. Yes. Oh, different things. Yeah, she loved it. She was a, she's amazing. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, so I miss one her. One thing I, I kind of picked up on, and maybe I'm crazy. So you went from school to NCPA to teaching. So the first time you actually worked regularly in a community pharmacy was after you bought one? No, I missed a step there. Okay. So yeah. I, I was like, that is, that's worked, ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked in um, an independent pharmacy here in Little Rock, Don's Pharmacy, for a year when I moved here before I started teaching. Gotcha. Okay. So, I had about a year of working. No, it was still, but it had been. Yeah, I mean, still pretty. I, I would uh, not be comfortable going into a community pharmacy and dispensing regularly today. It would there would be some upskilling needed. No, Retraining. I was. A, I was a little bit terrified, but I guess fake it till you make it sometimes, and just put a smile and trust that I'm relatively competent in it. <laughs> and luckily, the store we bought was pretty slow. And so, and the owner was there for a month after we purchased it. So it was a lot of, you know, introducing, talking, getting to know people. And it wasn't a high stress environment to get started. So I, I quickly was comfortable with it and then making it our own. And so now it's certainly a different store completely. Right. Yeah. So was what? slow is the keyword there. Was. Was. <laughs> was. Yes. So lived in D.C., what moved y'all back to Arkansas? So it, it's all very just complicated a little bit. So when I actually started working for NCPA before I graduated pharmacy school, because um, the person who was leaving the student affairs job was actually one of Scott's best friends, Tom Murray. Um, and so I knew I was interested in this. So they actually hired me on in my final year of pharmacy school to be the student affairs person. And there was another person at the office that kind of helped, but I took my two off months that last year of school to go to D.C. and work, plus I telecommuted for that whole fourth year. So in April of my graduation year, I moved to D.C. Scott had actually just accepted a job in Little Rock back home, kind of come home because his dad was sick at the time, wanted to get home closer to family. Mm -hmm. so, so he moved to D.C. or he moved to Little Rock. I moved to D.C. and then we started. I think we started dating actually after that too. And so we long distance dated for nine months or so. And then it was a decision. Are we going to live in DC or are we going to live in Arkansas? And so we decided to Arkansas, it was going to be, it would be a good place to raise a family, all that. And so moved to Arkansas. Nice. So let's talk about the, the pandemic because you've done some pretty amazing things during the pandemic. So let's talk about how it changed your pharmacy. So you started doing a, a vaccine clinic and your daughter jumped up and started being a super helper there. So what all have, what all has the pandemic changed for you and your business? Oh, it has. I mean, had you asked five years ago where I'd be today? Um, it's not really what I have, would have expected. Certainly the growth in the pharmacy has been amazing. And so it has just been amazing to be able to do all that. But I mean, starting basically about two years ago when COVID first hit and you know, just trying to make it through every day of people being scared and not sure. And so just kind of, even just from day one, I feel like we started to be 
lots of people's resource. I see you yawning. Am I really that boring? <laughs> no, I don't sit still this long. Like my, oh, I, my desk is a standing desk and I stand all day. And so when I sit down longer than 20 minutes, I'm like, gotta stand, gotta drink of water. Gotta, I'm like, yeah. So I don't sit down this long, but no, they, only, <laughs> they only have a set up where we can just like sit. Cause otherwise I'd be back tapping my foot back and forth and standing. So yeah. no, not so you. I feel like I'd, it's the I chair. never sit down. So I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. No, um, no. So fun. No, I just, so, it's I like the call out and shaming though. It, it's, yeah. it's a welcome thing around here. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's absolutely it is welcome. Absolutely. The last podcast I did if with him. If you do him, something stupid, you will get called out oh, yeah. for it here. Last podcast Perfect. I did with him, he called me sexist. So. Well, you that. did say something sexist. So. Mildly. Not true. Not so true in your You're house, like, but. <laughs> I mean, mildly is still there, right? Like, you can't be mildly <laughs> racist. You either are or aren't. <laughs> I didn't say racist. No, it was sexist. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay. okay. So, back to the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so it's, I mean, we started just, you know, getting packets of vitamin C and vitamin D, you know, having all that stuff for everybody. And then we got the COVID testing. And so it started that and it was just basically, what in the crap are we going to do? And I just, I mean, we get this and of course, Scott had found it, ordered it. And so I think we were maybe the first or if not the first, but one of the first community pharmacies in the country to have access to quick, you know, antigen testing, started doing it and it just exploded. And I mean, the first day was, I think it was pouring rain the first day where like I had a pharmacy student running outside with an umbrella covering me and her bare feet. And it was just like, all right, here we go. Let's figure this out. So I, I'm going to potentially insult Arkansas, but why was your student running out in bare feet? Right. Because it was pouring rain and rather than get her shoes soaking wet for the day. Totally makes sense. Right. I would do the same it, thing. It made sense to take off shoes. Yeah, fair, come fair in enough. and dry your feet off and then put your yes. warm, dry socks and shoes back on. Totally makes exactly. sense. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, it, fair. Yeah. So you, you can try. We don't run around barefoot and pregnant here. We just run around with COVID tests and no shoes on. Um, but, it, it, and now we have like two pairs of rain boots and raincoats. Like we've got all of our gear now, um, just in case it rains. So it was, I mean, I feel like since then, it has just been a tornado of like, what's next? What's next? Just keep going and going. And we haven't really stopped to breathe. And because then it was COVID testing and then, oh, the vaccine is coming out. And Scott had the foresight in December, I'm sorry, in September or August before the vaccine came out to buy a ultra cold deep freezer with just the, you wow. know, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, you want to spend $5,000 for what? You can make really and, cold popsicles now. Well, we thought Dippin' Dots, if, you know, ice mm -hmm. cream of the future, for like the last 20 years, ice cream of the future. Yeah. Um, That's turns actually out the ice cream I prefer. Strangely delicious. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I've ever had Dippin' Dots. Huh. So like, we'll, we'll have I, to get you some Dippin' Dots. Yeah. Like, go to a mall from like middle America in 1980. <laughs> Dippin' dots everywhere. 
I think they still have them at our mall, but it always just weirds me out to have, I don't understand what it is, like little pellets of ice cream. Yeah. yeah so instead of like, you get a spoonful of ice cream and then you end up with a brain freeze, you can do a spoonful of these tiny little ice cream dots and no brain freeze. Yeah. Basically you take the ice cream and into small droplets and flash freeze them, mm-hmm. um, which is why you need an ultra low it's cold delicious. freezer to keep them in that format. But for some reason, eating ice creams in pellet form is excellent. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. Highly huh, recommended. Okay. Well, I may have to go to the mall. <laughs> um, so funny story, too. So we got this ultra cold and we didn't know, you know, what we so we stuck some candy in it the first day <laughs> to see how. <laughs> um, I think I stuck a bottle of wine in it just to see. And then I was worried that the glass would shatter. So I took that out pretty quick. Um, oh no! You just take the cork out, and uh, like ice cream slushies, the best. But you got to put it in a Ziploc bag, and then there's like the stuff you mix it with, and then you have like an ice cream slushie, which is great pull time. Huh. okay, good to know. So <laughs> once we're not storing vaccine, we'll have so many things to do with this random deep freezer that we have now. Frozen Reese cups uh, are the best too. Oh, I do. But see, the problem is if they get them too hard when it's negative seventy degrees Celsius, mm-hmm. it just becomes a rock. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah. We talked to another pharmacy who was going to be practical and sell it to a university for the research after COVID was over. So uh, uh, there's that yeah. too. Kind of disturbing. Well, I mean, well, that's what they typically used for. I know. Yeah. Like samples and stuff. Hopefully mm-hmm. I'm sure Scott will figure that one out. That's on his to-do list. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Um, he also, <laughs> well, to help pay for it too, he did rent out space in our ultra cold to one of the hospitals who hadn't gotten an ultra cold. And so they rented out a layer of our ultra cold. Nice. Always thinking, always making always. that extra. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so we got that freezer and then we got the vaccine. And so then we were doing, you know, crazy, opened our vaccine center, crazy amount which of was vaccines. An art, which was an old art studio or? Uh, yep. So it was an old art studio that a friend um, had bought. They own bunch of dental practices. They had bought this building, a couple of buildings. Um, and so it was just sitting there vacant and we had been trying to figure out where we're going to do this. Cause our pharmacy just, there was no space for it. Right. Um, our parking is not ideal. Mm-hmm. And so how are we going to do it? And so he, Scott just called him one day and was like, Hey, you know, could we rent it out? And it just worked amazing. Perfect. Did they still have art up or was it just empty gallery? It was just empty. It would be kind of cool. Get some vaccines. Get to look at art. And get we yourself, talked about some culture. Probably like a few months in, we talked about we should have had, or when we started the kids or something, we should have had like kids have like art pages and stuff that people could put up things or, you know, adults could put write things or bring pictures or something so we could kind of have a display of everybody that we helped. We didn't quite. It was just really make it through the day at that point, not how can we be creative. So now that vaccines are kind of, I guess, ebbing at the moment until the fourth one comes out again, or I guess it's still out, out, but not as, it's still kind of older or immunocompromised for now. We'll see if it goes wide again. But how are you guys changing your workflow to adapt to constant stream of vaccines, but not the deluge of vaccines that we got with COVID. Yeah. 
And it's interesting. So since last week, when the FDA approved the fourth vaccine, the booster, second booster for people over 50, we started picking back up again. I mean, we did 150 vaccines on Friday in the pharmacy. And Thursday, I think the same. So, you know, but it's certainly a roller coaster of up and down. And so how do we then manage our staff and for having some of that, but then also our pharmacy has gotten busier just in a lot of people are, okay, so, you know, you've done my vaccines. We just, you did a great job and we trust you. So now we're going to transfer our prescriptions to you. And so usually I have pharmacy students. I always take a student on ro- or on rotation from UAMS College of Pharmacy. And I really utilize them a lot to be able to do the vaccines and kind of help just manage that. So we had one start on April 1st and, of course, booster shots doing all these. And so basically he walked in. I was like, okay, here's all the vaccine stuff. You stand here. Go. Um, he was waiting for somebody you know, to yell April Fool's, I bet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> not kidding. Um, and so, and I have another pharmacist, Corey, who started, she had always worked part-time for me before COVID. And then once COVID hit, she just started working full-time. And so she's kind of, yeah, it's awesome. And she's been able to also just kind of, we can kind of like work more this week, less that she's super flexible. And so that has been invaluable to us to have her to be able to kind of change her you know, hours and stuff based on our needs. So have you taken advantage of the Jardins or the other programs that we've put out there? We started rolling out some um, pharma-sponsored programs where if you dispense, uh, right now Ribelsis is the the one that's running. So when you dispense a new prescription for Ribelsis, it pops up at point of sale, asks you to answer a couple of questions and go over a a Mm one-page clinical document with patients. That's what Marshall is referring to. Got it. No, we, and honestly, we've just been so, so just bogged down with all the COVID stuff that Mm -hmm. all that other stuff, I'm kind of in the last two months, I've just been like, okay, I need to start thinking about that again. And for sure, you know, so, and I'm, I think, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's completely honest. And I think it's it's kind of taken over. Yeah, the it has taken over. So, and I think most pharmacies are probably in the same situation. It's like, okay, now I can take a breath. Mm-hmm. What have I missed in the last year? I mean, we spent basically a whole weekend cleaning our inventory and doing a good solid inventory because that had become a disaster in the last two years. And we hadn't gotten our perpetual inventory. We got that cleaned up, got ordering set up. I mean, there are a lot of things that we just haven't had time to do because there's only 24 hours in the day. Mm -hmm. And at the point, what was the most important, you know, for the last two years was doing those COVID tests and getting COVID shots. Mm -hmm. Well, you should definitely look into the program because I mean, we've, Josh has been working with a couple of companies and it's definitely a way to get you guys paid um, and help y'all make more money and grow your business. So. Yeah. And you know, the, the interesting thing about that, and it kind of ties into part of what pharmacies, especially pharmacies like yours that were successful in COVID and providing those vaccines, you've built this engine of credibility now, right? Like you've helped literally hundreds of people um, a day through whether it was, you know, they're scared or they're being forced to do it or whatever the reason you guys were kind of that consistent factor 
Um, and these programs that we're rolling out are really built to en kind of enhance persistence and adherence. Um, and they're pretty minimal. And it's one of those wild, like, things that, you know, we all learned in pharmacy school and you taught in pharmacy school that if your pharmacist counsels your patient and teaches them how to use their medication appropriately and safely, surprise, surprise, they take it better, they take it longer, and they fill more prescriptions. It's one of those, yeah, no kidding comments, but it's a it's a really simple way to do that. And, you know, proving out that all this time that pharmacists have been saying we want to get paid for providing services, COVID and programs like that, when you show that they're successful, we can do more and more and more of them. And so, you know, that's the, the impetus behind that, of getting more people excited about doing it instead of just saying, hey, I want to get paid for services or complaining about DIR fees. Well, let's prove why we need to do those things first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say there's, I'm hoping Scott or I are going to be able to attend connect in June because I know there's a lot of stuff that we've missed out on in just trying to survive. And so I'm excited now. And, and one thing COVID has been able to do for us as a, I mean, we're a smaller store in grand scheme of, you know, pharmacies, mm -hmm. but we've certainly grown and we're hoping to continue to grow. And so I've been able to hire um, a fourth year student who's going to, that's graduating to help work part-time at our store. So then hopefully that's going to give me more time to figure out, get, you know, get reconnected on the business mm -hmm. end of the pharmacy, because that's always been, I think that's been a great way for us to manage our store and for our relationship for Scott and I, because he's very much on the business end, the technology end of the pharmacy. And I'm the everyday, you know, people person at the pharmacy and I'm the one interacting. And so, but I feel like I've kind of probably missed a lot of that, of, you know, what Pioneer has to offer, what a lot mm -hmm. of things, you know, the different programs, we've made sure to keep up with our MTMs and our, you know, CMRs through outcomes since that has an effect on reimbursement and things. So we're making sure that those are always getting done. But all the other things, I mean, we've just, I, I've just been tired, right. you know, and it's like yeah. you can only do so much in your brain. Yeah, and that's the hard part, right? You've, you've done all this work and you've, you know, you've basically given up a year of your life to do this one thing. And now you want to take a breath and back off, but you've also built this credibility with public health that, pharmacy has never had before right now all the public health people are asking how can we leverage pharmacy to do more immunizations adult you know measuring social determinants of health all these things now that people are like oh pharmacy can do that and it's real easy to say all right well let's take a breath we're not going to do anything but fill prescriptions for a couple months but you have this huge opportunity again and you're like i don't know i i'm I'm glad I'm not in your boat to have to figure out how to do that and figure out what thing to invest in, but it's well, sleep, no, sleep or growing your business. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's in the background going, got an idea. I just bought a really big freezer. Yeah. yeah. And I just no, sold like a, a space in it. <laughs> and I think that's, I mean, that's why it's worked well for us so far. And, you know, not everyone has that, but it's, and some days it's exhausting because it literally never stops. And when I come home from the store, I mean, we've got games, we've got, you know, I'm trying to manage the kids and the household too, and where everyone needs to be and who's mm -hmm. driving where. 
And so, and then making dinner, cleaning up, getting kids to bed, getting homework done. And then it's like 930 and I sit down and then he starts talking about, oh, well, here's my next idea. And some days <laughs> I literally just go, shut up. I'm leaving. I can't, I can't do it anymore. But he's just the always thinking, always coming up with a new idea, um, which can be exhausting doing mm-hmm. that all the time. So independent of what Scott wants to do, what do you want to do next? <laughs> well, <laughs> our plan, right? So we're moving our pharmacy. Mm. We've, this okay. has been. Oh, that's been, right. The, the old bank. Yeah. Yep. So we bought and this. I mean, it's all just been so amazing how it's all kind of worked out. But we have bought an old bank that is just right around the corner from the pharmacy. And we are hopefully about a month and a half from moving. And so I think there's, they were painting yesterday, installing the elevated platform today. And so, I mean, on a short term, trying to get moved and then just kind of figure out what that is and how we, you know, do our store and how we rework everything and set up a workflow in that pharmacy. Um, so is this like we're a have a drive old bank or is yep. this, oh. oh, well, it was a bank. It's like a 20 year old building. It's not like it's a okay. hundred year old bank. Gotcha. Yeah. But so, it has but, a vault, right? It has a vault. So, and we've saved some safety deposit boxes. So I'm going to always know where my passport is now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should turn like part of the vault into a speakeasy, like enter from the it's back end. Drugs and alcohol. That's yeah. always great to mix. It's, it's not that big. It'd be, it'd be a COVID super spreader event if we had too many people in and there. You, then you can give them antivirals afterward. Now I'll do COVID <laughs> tests. We make more money on COVID tests than antivirals. All right. Test them first, get them COVID, then give them antivirals. You get three for three. Perfect. And you can sell them an overpriced cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, I mean, the challenge with it is the pharmacy, the bank has a drive-thru, and we haven't had a drive-thru before. And so just figuring out how that workflow is um, is going to be, I think, our next kind of challenge or just, you know, adventure in doing that. And then what from there, I don't... I don't know. And I'm looking forward to possibly utilizing some of my other staff and getting some more staff so I don't have to be the 24-7 person at the pharmacy. Um, Since we bought the store, I mean, we bought a struggling store. And so it was always in my head that I had to do all the work. I had to be there all the time because we had to save money and I couldn't afford to pay someone else because I needed to make sure we had all the money coming in so we could you know, pay our bills. And almost nine years later, we have, I think, hopefully moved past that a little bit, but I'm just so ingrained that I need to be the one at the store all the time. It's Mm -hmm. super hard to just let go a little bit. And want to listen to one of Scott's amazing other ideas. (laughs) I know. And then who knows? Well, he has another one right now. And I'm like, I don't even, we need to move into this building before we come up with a new. Let's make it a lunch date where I can actually, this is more tolerable and I've got the energy to listen. Right. And get on the same brain wagon as you. Well, there have been times I'm like, okay, we need to go. We need to have a meeting. And (laughs) one of our friends he was like, oh, do you want to hang out? And I was like, no, we have a meeting tonight together. And he went, oh, that doesn't sound good. I was like, no, no, we just have, I have a list of things <laughs> we need to talk about <laughs> and make decisions on and not at 10 o'clock at night go, well, what do you think about this? So, so I, I mean, it's time for me to just kind of sit back and go, okay, where do we want to go mm-hmm. from here? 
um, what is our next, you know, what's our next plan? Where do we want the pharmacy to be in five years? And I think we have a lot of great opportunities right now to capitalize, like you said, capitalize on the success we've had and kind of the name that we have built for ourselves that we don't want to squander that and have it pass us by. Nice. So, I mean, other than COVID testing, you're also doing flu and strep, yep. correct? Okay. Yep. Yep. So we do flu, strep. And so last year during the legislative session, Arkansas passed a law allowing pharmacists to be able to write prescriptions after point of care testing mm-hmm. for the flu and the strep. And um, they're still working on getting the, you know, the protocol, the regulations in place for that. But so hopefully next flu season, and I'm assuming we'll, I mean, we had a late flu season this year and we started yeah. seeing a lot of it, but then we'll be able to write prescriptions for Tamiflu for people. And, you know, if someone comes in positive strep test, we'll be able to write those penicillin or amoxicillin prescriptions. And so I think there's, you know, and so making sure that we can capitalize on those, any other point of care testing that we want to do, we have the ability to do that with the machines that we have, the equipment, um, I'm excited to have a new, you know, a new graduate come out and also, and we've told her, like, if you have ideas, if you have things you want to do, let's talk about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't pretend to know what the next, next great thing is going to be. And so just being in the place that we're able to take advantage of that whenever we figure out what right. it is. Yeah. One of the things I really like, it's kind of Amina's model of when she gets a resident, she's greedy and she likes to try and keep them. Um, but yes. she doesn't just have, you know, every time you have a resident and hire them as a pharmacist, you have to pay them as a pharmacist. And so her model was, you know, in your residency year, figure out how you're going to build your job. And then if you do that, you can have a job. Um, yeah. And that's part of the way she has like 35 pharmacists now. Um, but you know, like that's a, is an interesting idea when they come out of school, like, what are you interested in? And can you turn it into a revenue stream? If so, you can get more hours. If not. And so she can do a Vaughn and go to Dubai for a month at a time. Right. Well, you know, like part of where pharmacists are not great in general is they're not trained to do anything in business in school. Right. You go to do your undergrad degree and whatever that is, probably biology, chemistry, something like that. Then you go to pharmacy school and your business you're, class you're is the, like yeah, one afternoon the, the in pharmacy management. School at that point, and that's the, the life lessons. Right. And of, so I think Dan said that actually. Yeah. They have, you know, they the first time I learned about business at all was when I did my MBA. Like, you know, coming out of pharmacy school and you get a chance to work, you know, a place like that where they're like, you're like, hey, if you want to do it, let's build a business plan, you know, and, you know, you and Scott can kind of help frame that. That could be a really powerful experience for a new grad to learn how to do something and yeah. and build a business or at least a revenue stream. Yeah. And it's, you know, because I helped coordinate the management class at the, the college pharmacy. No one wanted to pay attention and no, you know, and had, and I think UMS does a good job that not all colleges of pharmacy have much of a management class. And so we tried, but students just didn't care because it was back to the, what they think mm-hmm. is important at that point. Um, Those are the ones that so, you look at and go, you're going to end up at Walgreens one day. Well, yeah. Not to, not then, to knock I that. Mean, they, Most with, of them will. Yeah. 
with with no lunch break, you have to mix a Snickers bar in your in your yeah. check basket. Well, that's more of a knock against Walgreens than pharmacy schools. But you know, like I, I mean, I went to UT Austin, and their whole deal was if you didn't go clinical or hospital, you're wasting your degree, right? Yep. And so yeah. You know, I took a community pharmacy management class, and I'm reasonably sure the professor didn't actually ever work in community pharmacy. He was an old hospital guy. And so it wasn't super practical. You know, it wasn't, you know, read a P&L, let's go through a balance sheet. It was build a mock pharmacy and create a business plan. Yeah. Well, I can, anybody can build a mock pharmacy if you have an unlimited budget, right? Yep. The, the practicality part that was the piece that was missing and, you know, that was, that's where NCPA's business competitions do a really nice job. Those kids are way more sophisticated than, mm-hmm. than I was in my fourth year of pharmacy school. Well, and most of them learn it on their own or, mm-hmm. you know, from small group stuff, working with their advisors for those business plan competitions, because that is not what they're getting in pharmacy school. And, you know, and there's, and I get it because the pharmacy schools can't, put much else in the curriculum and what they're being required to teach to, cause they need to get kids passing the NAPLEX. And I mean, that's the ultimate, there's no business stuff on the NAPLEX, but I mean, I fought that every day. It was, you know, community pharmacy is still important and 70% of our graduates were going to be going to a community pharmacy, whether you trained them for clinical or not, like you have to still train them to be successful and whether they go work at a chain or an independent. I mean, chains are going to be watching some metrics and making mm-hmm. sure that you're hopefully, if you're the manager of the store, hopefully you're, you know, making ends meet. And if you're losing money, I don't know if that's still the same right now. I think it's just get your numbers and get your vaccines and, you know, how yeah. many can you do in a day? Mm-hmm. But somebody's watching it. And hopefully most people have some desire to go past just being the, you know, pharmacist. Staff pharmacist, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the reality is the people that are watching that at the big chains aren't pharmacists, and that's part of the problem. Yeah. Speaking of somebody who has an MBA, if you're only an MBA and you're looking at cash flow and that kind of stuff, you're going to make a policy like, hey, you have to fill a prescription in 15 minutes or less and do 300 vaccines a day and right. hurt people. Which is not possible. Right. Wait, so it'll be interesting get... to see, though. Have you followed that um, the the nurse recently who was not only lost her license for a medical mistake, but is probably going to go to jail now? Yeah. Um, that should scare the crap out of every single practicing nurse, pharmacist, and doctor who's working in a corporation that has KPIs. Yeah. So it's interesting. Back when was it? Probably in November when a pharmacist at a chain, actually, I think it was a technician at a chain gave a vaccine and gave the wrong vaccine to someone, whether it was, and I don't remember specifically if it was a full amount or a kid got an adult dose or so it was, it was wrong. And it was, I mean, it was in the news. The person was unharmed. It, you know, there was no life threatening um, issue with it, but it was still wrong. And I had, I was out of town actually. And I had one of the news reporters call me um, when I was in the grocery store in my hometown and they were doing a story or talking about it of, well, technicians shouldn't be giving vaccines. And, you know, how did this happen? And I went, you know, let's just stop for a second. And I was like, you're looking at this the wrong way because pharmacies, I feel for that person because we are under so much pressure right now. And the pace of a pharmacy, I was like, 
it's an honest mistake. And the person I'm sure, you know, felt horrible. And this is why it happened because all of the stuff around and all of the work environment is not supportive to make, you know, to be able to be infallible and people are human. And I was like, we don't need to, you know, put this person as a villain because it was an honest mistake and it can happen. And I think, I mean, that was one story, but the reporter on that hadn't thought about it like that. And so I was able to change the narrative there of that's amazing. It's not this person's fault. Yeah. And, and so, no, I've seen that and I'm just horrified by it because it is, you know, when there's steps in the process and they all break down, we can't be, and I mean, that should scare everyone because you are told if you make a mistake, you need to own up to it so we can figure out where the mistake is in the process. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like following the news because it's like they take everything and make it a modern day witch trial. Well, I mean, this, this one with this nurse, it really kind of is right. It was a failure. It was a systemic failure. And the worst part now is she self-reported, right? So she self-reported knowing full well that she made a mistake that killed a patient, knew that it would probably cost her her nursing license, but did the right thing anyway. And now she's going to go to jail. Um, Yeah. The the That's end result of that is people will stop self-reporting, right? Yep. Like now it's going to be every man for himself. Don't report any mistakes, even if they're small. Um, and, and, you know, if you're working at Walgreens or CVS right now and you worked a 12-hour shift with no breaks and you filled 800 prescriptions, I mean, I worked at Walgreens. I had misfills. It, it happens, yeah. you know, like it, you just... It happens. You put that in, you know, context where you accidentally hurt somebody, you're not going to report it now. Yeah. Yeah. So we should all be scared about that because Mm -hmm. if people don't report it and if you or I go to the hospital and we know that there's a culture of, you know, vilifying those people who report, then no one's going to report them. And so those processes and processes that need to be changed in the system and how it's going, it's not going to be fixed. And so they're just going to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 30 years of medication safety just went down the toilet. Yep. It's horrifying. So besides adding to your staffing list and bringing on more pharmacists and signing up for Connect, what is next for Ann Pace? Um, so, yep, so moving the pharmacy. We're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm hoping to take a vacation, um, working on that, and then just kind of seeing where, you know, getting – Getting my family ready for summer, that's always an issue of kind of, what do we do? And getting everybody who's scheduled. What, who's going where? Who's camps. doing what camps? Yes. Yeah. Everybody has this or that. Um, and then hopefully, I mean, gearing up for the next season of flu shots and, you know, because we like to go out to businesses, hoping to promote that. Um, mm-hmm. Just recently, I've, I mean, for the last five years, I've known we need to do more social media presence. And every time I start... You know, I do it for like two days and then I get, it's not my thing. I guess for one thing for myself is realizing what mm-hmm. I can and what I cannot do. And I think probably most independent pharmacies and owners want to do everything, want to have control over everything that they do because I can do every. There's not much I can't do if I put my mind to it, but where is my energy best placed? My social media account is not where my energy is best placed. Are you so, using yeah. RxLocal? 
Um, yes, we have RX Local. So are yep. you using the RX Local social media assistant that we send out weekly? Nope. <laughs> there, there's your free social media pass right there. You don't have to think about it. You just have to do. Or like so give figure. it to somebody else to just do. It sounds like yep. a uh, fourth year pharmacy student job. Yep. Well, I have found a friend who I was having drinks with my friend a couple weeks ago. And I was like, do you know? Like, I need somebody. So I have found a mom who's got two small kids and she is now my social media person. And there we go. Fantastic. I'm going to pass along the RX local stuff to her so she can start doing that too. But my hands are off of it and it's going fabulous. That's great. See, all all things that are important happen over drinks. Yes. 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 I think that was his attempt for you to encourage you to put the bar in the vault to the speakeasy. Well, now that you mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time you're in Little Rock, you can come and see the vault and you'll realize why we don't like it'll be a tiny little space because vaults aren't that big. Bob Lomanek's store used to be a bank and like his office originally was in a bank vault and it was super tiny, super, super tiny. We talked about putting my office in the vault but then you can't get Wi-Fi, like the connectivity yeah. stuff in there. So no, now it's going to be storage, but we've built kind of a wall around it. Mm-hmm. So it'll have double doors so we can get into it, but then we'll have merchandise and it'll have Things flat that wall don't require cell service or Wi-Fi. Yeah. 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 So. I think when I, like the last time I talked to Scott about the bank vault, he was doing like a, like a barn door or recess door over the front of it or something, right? That's that's done. There is no barn door because the the physics of moving stuff over when it's only have like one that that wasn't going to yeah. work. Yeah. That, that, so now it's that's double wall doors. space you have to assign to it. Yeah. So now it's double doors with sh- sh- slat wall on the double doors that will open with enough space for the vault door to open to 90 degrees so we can get in it. And I'm I'm a, a big fan of slat wall. I just put a bunch of it in my garage and it's amazing. I I, I don't own stock in slat wall yet, but I probably should. <laughs> well, I may need to get uh, stock in dipping dots if that is certainly yes. The ice the ice cream of the past future. Mm-hmm. The ice cream of the past future. I mean, I I'm a little scared because our mall had a shooting last weekend on like Saturday afternoon. So oh I think gosh. that's the only place. Yes. But I think that's the only place to get Dippin' Dots. So I'm not sure if I can go or not. I mean, statistically, though, they won't have a shooting every weekend. You're, oh, you're just so like, yeah, true. I mean, you're, 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 you're at peak, peak high safety moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> Lightning doesn't right. strike the same place twice. Carter, my son, does love ice cream and it is his favorite food. So it may be an outing to the Dippin' Dots this weekend. They, I can't they, wait they to had hear a, about it. I'm sure they probably still have the same seven flavors that they had. Cookies and cream forever. all the way. No, no, yeah. it's mint. The chocolate mint. Oh, yeah, the chocolate mint's good, too. Now, like, he, it was like vanilla was, or cookies and cream for him? This one is like, it's brown with little green dots in there. It's Well, it's like chunks of Oreo that they were that they crushed up and put in there, too. I need some ice oh. cream now. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> hungry. Yeah, like lunch is happening right after this, and there may or may <laughs> not be some ice cream involved. <laughs> well, lucky for you, you get to go do that. I get to go to the store and stand up and eat lunch. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are at our one hour, but we really appreciate the, the time and sitting and talking with us and calling me out for Absolutely. yawning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to make a trip to Little Rock. Yes, I'm yes. overdue. And, and I'm sure Jeff will, because Kyle's living there. Oh, he's so. in Fayetteville. Oh, that's right. 
It's not too far away. Yeah. yeah. It's just a couple hours north. I, I, so, no, I was, ad- need to come I was admittedly to shocked at how much I liked Fayetteville. I, I, I've both bought a car and visited a friend there, and they, it was the only place in the, the only place in the entire country that had a 2018 BMW M3 black in competition. So I flew to Fayetteville okay. and bought it and drove it back to Dallas. Okay. Notably got a speeding ticket about 25 minutes later. Oh, no. We flew right. to Dallas. Scott flew to Dallas for, I think, his last car, one of his last cars and drove it home. Yeah, it's a, it's a great drive. As to evidence. Dallas? If you, so if you cut from Fayetteville through Oklahoma into Texas, uh, not, okay. not amazing. If you cut down through Arkansas into Texas, it's actually quite nice. Okay. But yeah, well, we were in Dallas last weekend. Nothing, week nothing nice break. about Oklahoma. I've never been to Oklahoma. You've never been to Oklahoma. Nope. I know. This is good for this you. A, Let's keep it that way. This is a funny thing in our house because I've visited like 45 states, but Oklahoma is not on there. And I literally am like two hours from it. Yep. Same here. Never been. And it's really? like two hours north of us. And then like oh. two, huh. three hours north. Nope. Never been. Yeah. It's more yeah. like 45 minutes north. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess. There was a customer that was three hours north in Oklahoma that Jeff was talking about. We were going to drive to go oh, see. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can be in Oklahoma in three hours, but from where we're at in Dallas, like you're an like hour. an hour. But, oh. but I said one weekend we were just going to go to Oklahoma, and everyone kind of looked at me funny. Yeah, there's no reason was, to do that. Aside from nothing. Aside from, you know, my, my college rivalry with OU, they, there's no reason to go to Oklahoma. I just thought we might drive over the border, walk around for 10 minutes, and then come back so I could say I had been. That's, 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 that's the, a reason. all you need. Yeah. Aren't there Indian? I think there's Indian casinos. There are. Yeah. Yes. I don't like to gamble, but that would be a thing people might want to do. Yeah, but don't, don't they mostly go to Shreveport because there's the riverboats? No, boats? no. Um, uh-huh. Windstar or whatever the one that's directly north of us in Dallas, I think it's Windstar, is like the biggest casino in the country, like single casino. It's huge. Now we have a reason. Yeah. Okay. I don't really gamble I either, either. So. Yeah. I'm not a gambler, but okay. Well, go to Oklahoma, enjoy Windstar, and then say you've been, cross it off the list, and never go back. Perfect. I'll do that next weekend. Thank you for yeah. joining us. We're going to let you go Absolutely. get your lunch and get back to your store. All right. Thanks, All right. guys. Thanks. Thanks, Ian. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.